Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the reminder that you are here with us in this very room. And we ask that as your spirit moves through this room, that it opens up our hearts and that it, that it uh, penetrates our minds and that you reveal the truth through your word as it is read. We ask that you bless the reading of your word, bless the hearing of it as well. We ask that as we begin this time, this time of study and reflection, that uh, you will just focus our attention on you, clear away the cobwebs that may crowd our hearts, clear away any distractions that may compete for our attention. Bless this time that we have in your presence. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves. For the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I know I've used this this passage of uh, Peter walking on the water before to preach, um, maybe maybe more than once. But I promise you that this is a different sermon. I'm not I'm not pulling out a rerun. Uh, we're like most passages in Scripture. There are uh, many truths to be mined and to be pulled out of, and, and many lessons that we can learn from it. And today I want to approach this passage talking about the power of our imagination. Uh, now, that sounds like a strange thing to be preaching about, maybe, but imagination is very relevant for us. When I consider what's going on right now in Marion County and Buena Vista, uh, we, we've got Pasaquan that's about to, to open up, and people are coming from all over the place to see it, and uh, it's being you know, talked about. There's, it's got its own Wikipedia page, and CNN calls it one of the top 16 things to do in 2016, and And it's pretty fascinating that something like that is happening here locally. So as we gear up for that, uh, you're starting to notice around town people are cleaning up, the sidewalks are being repaired, the the, uh, people are starting to work on the the landscaping and the flowers, the garden club is is doing a great job with all of that. And we're doing all of this stuff in preparation for this event that is a celebration of art. 
And there's even going to be an art festival where uh, people, uh, artists and musicians and all come together and, and just be creative for the sake of being creative. And so we're getting prepared for this. We're getting geared up and we're doing it by preparing the town. But even in our efforts to prepare the town, we are being creative as well. We are being imaginative in how we want the town to look and how we present it. And so as we go through this season here in Buena Vista, I think this is a relevant passage for us to think about uh, what the imagination can do when it is used uh, correctly. Now, it has to be used correctly because like everything else, it has to go through this process of sanctification. We've been talking about sanctification uh, the, the last several weeks, this process of moving on towards holiness, journeying with Christ to perfection, and, and how we are constantly uh, being renewed and regenerated by the power of Christ. It's the same way with our imagination. Our imagination has to be sanctified. Our creativity has to become sanctified. We, our vision has to align with what God's vision is in order for us to carry out his, his will and his purpose here on earth. Now, some of you are probably sitting there thinking, well, I'm not creative, so this doesn't apply to me. I'm not an artist, I'm not a poet, I'm not a musician, and, and, and I, I get that. But you don't have to be an artist or a poet or a musician to be creative. In fact, we are all creative in our own way because we were designed to be. Now, maybe we don't recognize it as creativity, but we all possess some sort of type of creativity. And the reason I know that is because we were created by God, who is the ultimate artist, and we were created in his image. So we, we have that quality, the ability to have a vision for something and think of ways in which we can implement that vision and ways that we can, uh, that we, ways that we can carry it out. Um, today is the 15th anniversary of the, uh, the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center. And in the aftermath of 9-11, there was a report that came out. There was all this investigation that went into how did this happen, why did this happen, what could we have done to prevent it, what could we have done to stop it. And the commission report came out, and it said the most important failure on the part of the government, the, the CIA, uh, NSA, all of that, the, the most important failure was one of imagination. In other, way, in other words, we did not creatively think of ways to protect against something like this. We did not uh, think of ways in which we could defend ourselves properly against this type of attack. And our greatest uh, failure was one of imagination. Imagination is very important. Creativity, vision, being able to, to see something, a need, and being able to know how to address it. And we can apply this to every area of our lives. We can use imagination in the church. We can see what our needs are here, how we can meet those needs. We can look at the needs in the community all around us, and we use our imagination to think, well, how can we reach out to those people? In our witness, how do we share Christ with people? How do we share the love of God with people? Now, I know it's... it's uh, for a long time, it's kind of been commonplace to think of witnessing or evangelism as going up to somebody and being like, uh, do you know if you're going to go to heaven when you die? If you were to die tonight, are you going to go to heaven? And that's an important question. That's an important question to ask and reflect on. But that is not the only way to witness. 
And sometimes we think it is. Sometimes we get in this mode where where sharing the love of God or sharing Jesus Christ with somebody simply means talking to them about the afterlife. When in reality, people need love today. They need to know the love of God here and now. And so when we see that, when we can recognize that need and we can come up with ways to share our love and the love of God with them in their time of need, that is using our imagination. That is using our creativity the way that God intends us to do it. We can use creativity and imaginations in our relationships, in our friendships, in our family relationships, whatever. We, we all hit patches where things get a little bit rough. We're not quite on the same page, or maybe there's a falling out or a disagreement or whatever there is. And so what do we have to do? We have to back away and say, how can I restore this? What's going wrong, and how can I repair this relationship? And we are using our creativity in that moment. Our creativity and and our vision has to be aligned with God in order for all of those things to to be restored properly. So what does all, all of this have to do with Peter walking on the water? Well, when we look at this passage, we see where the disciples, and and since we're focusing on Peter, we'll say Peter, um, went through stages of of how their imagination was used. First of all, uh, they're sitting in the boat, and they see Jesus walking on the water, and what does their mind do? Immediately, they imagine that it's a ghost. They become fearful, and they can just see this, this apparition coming for them, coming to get them, and they start panicking. Because they've let their imaginations run wild. Now, this is the kind of uh, thing that happens, uh, especially to, to children, if they hear a, a strange noise in the middle of the night and they think it's a boogeyman in their closet. And um, if I don't know about y'all, but I can remember those, those times when I was a kid having that wild imagination. And, and I remember hearing my dad snore down the hall, and, uh, and he was so loud that I thought it was somebody sleeping under my bed. And, and, you know, I would tell my mom, somebody comes in here and sleeps under my bed at night. And she would say, oh, that's just your imagination or something like that. And, and the imagination can do that. It can run wild. It can make us fearful. Uh, but, but I think what happens is when people say, oh, that's just your imagination, what do we do? We learn to suppress it. We learn to ignore it. We learn to not utilize it anymore because we think of it as a a bad thing. And that's what happened with the the disciples. They they saw Jesus walking on the water and their imagination ran away. But we should never throw our imagination out. And the power of the mind, the power of vision, the power of creativity, we should never throw it out just because it fails us sometimes. What we need to do is submit it to God and let it be sanctified. And that's what Peter does here. He, sees, he hears Jesus say, it is I. And when he sees Jesus, all of a sudden now, Peter can imagine himself walking out there to Jesus. Peter imagines himself. He catches the vision. I can walk with Christ on deep waters. And so when we come to Christ, when we see him, when we get that vision, what can we imagine ourselves doing? What can we imagine ourselves accomplishing because we are walking beside him? Can we imagine ourselves venturing out into deep waters because we know that he is with us? Because we know that if we keep our eyes on him, we won't sink. I'm sure Peter, when he got into that boat and and went out uh, at the beginning of the night, and I'm sure as the storm raged on, and even when he saw Jesus and first thought it was a ghost, Peter never thought, 
I'm going to be able to get out of this boat tonight and walk on water. But when he saw Jesus, it's like a, a switch flipped, and his imagination changed, and he could see himself walking on the water towards Jesus. You see, God, I, I said he's an artist. He, he created us. He created us with a vision and a purpose in mind. But he also calls us to share in that vision and to collaborate with him. And if you think of that in terms of art, that's pretty groundbreaking. I don't know of any other artist who uh, would allow someone else to just come in and, and rearrange and shape things in order to create the thing that they started so that it can end up being the thing that the artist originally intended. But that's what happens with creation. That's what happens with, with us as we uh, have our imagination sanctified. It is a creator and creation working together to advance creation toward the creator's original vision. I know that sentence is very confusing, so I'm going to say it again a little bit slower. The Creator, God, and the creation, us, work together to advance creation towards the Creator's original vision. God allows us to collaborate with Him so that His vision is accomplished. He allows us to catch that vision and work with Him. Now, I don't know of any other examples where an artist works like that or where, where an artist works on that level. The only, the closest example I could think of uh, never really even happened, but I thought it was, it was pretty interesting. In 1967, Brian Wilson was uh, the, the songwriter and the singer for the Beach Boys, and he had this idea for this album, Smile. And it was all this, you know, kind of weird, sort of playful music, but it was about the time he did Good Vibrations and all that, but he had this, this great idea for this album, Smile, and it was supposed to be groundbreaking. And he went in the studio and he recorded all these little pieces of it, but he never finished it. He never pieced it all together. And years and years later, after the digital format and CDs and all came out, he toyed with the idea of just releasing all of those little clips that he had recorded and allowing the listener, the consumer, to rearrange them to, to form the album however they wanted to. And I thought, that's a brilliant idea. Unfortunately, he never did it, uh, but it, it, it would have been a great idea to, to have something in mind, you have all the pieces in place, and then you ask the listener to collaborate and help you form the bigger picture. That's what we're talking about when we talk about the church when we talk about all of creation, we, we talk about God has a vision and he's allowing us to collaborate with him to, to bring it to fruition. We can only do that if our imaginations are, are sanctified and if our vision is on him. Now, unfortunately, uh, Peter's imagination became corrupted. He, um, he was walking on the water towards Jesus and then the wind and the waves came, and all of a sudden he saw himself sinking. And so what happened? He began to sink. And there's a lot of reasons why our imaginations might become corrupted. Maybe it's for fear. Maybe it's because we become prideful in what we're doing, and we think, hey, look what I'm accomplishing. But we can start off, right, we can start off thinking, I'm doing what God wants me to do. 
And then we lose focus. We lose vision. We burn out, and then we begin to sink. And that's why this process of sanctification, whether we're talking about our minds or our hearts or whatever we're talking about, it has to be continual. It's not a one-time thing. Sanctification is an ongoing journey. And that, that is the same, that, uh, we can say the same about uh, our minds and how we perceive things. Uh, Eugene Peterson, um, who's probably best known for his translation of the message, if, if y'all have ever heard of that, the message is a translation of the Bible. Uh, but he, was, he recalls a story when he was five years old and he lived in Montana, and it was a big farm area. And his neighbor was this big uh, Norwegian guy named Mr. Storm. And Eugene Peterson says that when he was five years old, he was terrified of Mr. Storm. He was, he was huge. He was really quiet, strangely quiet. And, uh, and he was from another country. He didn't always understand what the man said when he spoke. And he would see him, Eugene would see him out there on the tractor in the fields. And so Eugene would go out there and, uh, and watch him, you know, on the tractor and, uh, and just kind of stare at him, at this strange big Norwegian man from a distance. And he said what he was really doing was he was hoping that he would get a chance to get on the tractor with him. But he never said that. And he said one day Mr. Storm looked over there at him and started waving his arms like this. And Eugene just kind of looked at him. And he said the the man stood up on the seat of his tractor and started doing this. And Eugene got scared. He didn't know what what this big guy was doing, flailing his arms around. So he ran off. Well, a few days later, uh, the the Norwegian man, Mr. Storm, saw Eugene at, uh, at church and said, Why didn't you come when I was calling you? And Eugene said, I didn't know you were calling me. I didn't know what you were doing. And the man said, When you tell somebody to come here, how do you do it? And Eugene Peterson stuck out his, his little finger like this, and he did like this. He curled it back and forth. And the man said, that never would have worked out there. You wouldn't have seen it. It required a big gesture. It was a big invitation for you to come out there. So the next day, he saw him out there again, and he did the big gesture all over again, the big invitation. This time, Eugene knew what it meant, and he ran out there, and he got to ride on the tractor. But sometimes God requires or he offers us a big invitation because the situation requires a big situation. Sometimes we're not looking for it. We're looking for a little nudge, a curling of the finger, and God is waving us. There is no invitation bigger and greater than Jesus telling somebody to get out of a boat in the middle of the storm and walk on water. That is a huge invitation. But Jesus offered it because Peter had the vision. He had the the imagination to see himself doing it and to recognize that God, uh, that that Jesus was going to be walking with him. So how do we uh, sanctify our imaginations? Well, like anything else, we sanctify it by realizing that it's not really us sanctifying at all. It requires our submission to God and we let him sanctify it and purify it and shape it and redeem it through his grace. How do we use it? How can we use our imagination? In whatever way he moves us, in whatever way he leads us and inspires us, and no, uh, nothing is too big and nothing is too small. 
It may be a soft little finger curl like come here, or it may be a grand sweeping invitation into deep waters. But we have to recognize it. We have to be open to it. And we can use it just as Peter used it, used it to get out of the boat and walk towards Jesus. We can use it in our homes, in our relationships, and in the church as we look towards the future, as we look for ways that the kingdom of God can be advanced around us, and we can use it in our witness. But the bottom line is we were created in the image of the ultimate creator, and that creator has designed us to collaborate and create with him. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you have the ultimate vision, that you have given each of us the capacity to to live up to that vision and to, to align ourselves with that vision. But we confess that so often we don't. We confess that so often we allow our ourselves to be hindered by impatience, by frustration, by self-doubt. We ask, Lord, that you redeem our imaginations, that you give us creative insight and creative foresight so that we can catch your vision and see ourselves walking on water with you, knowing that it is you who give us the power to accomplish anything that is part of your will. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is hymn number 593, Here I Am, Lord. As we sing, I invite and encourage you to come forward if you've made a decision of any type. As always, the altar is open if you would like a a time of prayer. But I, I encourage and invite you to think of ways in which the Lord is inviting you. How is he calling you to step out into deeper waters this morning? Please stand if you're able and join us in singing hymn number 593.